2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power
1: to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Peacock streaming. The biggest sports and live events
0: on the planet. From Super Bowl 56.
1: What a game this is.
0: To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming
1: every event every day.
2: Yeah.
1: It's all the
0: unprecedented. with unprecedented, unstoppable, sensational. unbelievable, sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror Man, Mirror Man, you twist and turn
1: my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror Man, to a massive Arsenal opinion podcast today because I think it's is it our first victory against Spurs it is it's our first victory against Spurs uh, that we celebrated on the podcast I'm here with Alfred hello lo 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 I'm here with Matt
2: hi Pete good to be here uh
1: we'll get we'll get this out of the way early Alfred because uh your smug little face um uh, is is hindering my ability to perform right now. But let's just get it out of the way. Sweden, World Cup, they knocked out Italy. Matt, it's sad that Italy
0: are out of the World Cup. You're happy that Sweden. Just give us a few words on that. I mean, what a performance by, especially by Gronkvist, who is the biggest hero and legend, legend in Swedish football at the moment. What an absolute incredible player. Uh, and also Emil Forsberg. I think it's going to be exciting to see see him in the World Cup. I think he's the future of the Swedish team.
2: Matt, how are you feeling about Italy going out of the World Cup? Well, I was just sad to see. It doesn't feel like a World Cup without Italy. You know, them sort of dragging themselves to the World Cup and then sort of dulling us all probably all the way to the final or winning it on penalties. But uh, yeah, I will, I will miss uh, the boys in blue.
1: I thought it was hilarious uh, post-Italy going out of the World Cup that a few of the Italian journalists were like, we need to get foreigners out of the game. Uh, that made me laugh because it's very English. But... Now we can focus all our energies and all of our efforts on talking about the tremendous North London Derby win. Um, guys, does it get better than that?
2: I think it's the most comfortable North London Derby win I can recall. I wow. mean, it's probably in uh, in terms of like pure comfort levels, I think it must be at least sort of 10 years since we beat them 3-0 or that, that sort of invincible team. It was never in any doubt
0: and i think it was somewhere in like the 68th minute when you were not worried about them coming back and you kept reading kind of stats about how many times teams have come back at what what points but you were just not worried and then they took harry kane and Deli ali off in like pure resignation and it was just beautiful oh
2: that was a that was a great
1: moment i think what was great uh, for me was all of the, the pre-game, you know, the the, the shift of power, uh, Pochettino is, you know, the next revelation in the game, all went out the window. And Arsene Wenger proved once again that he
0: has the better players and in the big games, he's still got something about him. So both Pete and Matt, you don't want to do this because you're so excited to talk about the game, but I still want to hear... Shirt number 32, Matt. You can do it quickly if you want. We don't have to linger and react to every every player this time, but I still want it. This is my favourite part of the show. And I don't want to let you down. Uh,
2: shirt number 32, particularly an inauspicious group of players. Uh, the current incumbent of the number 32 shirt is Chuba Akbom. It always looked like he had so much promise, like pace... Uh, pace. Physique. Uh,
1: pace. Yeah, he's... Uh, it hasn't really fulfilled. I thought he was going to do well when he went out on loan. He did look a very exciting player initially. We kind of go through... We churn through a lot of promising looking <laughs> like strikers at the club that never come to anything.
2: It's, yeah, I think the interesting thing for me was when I saw... I know there's been a lot of noise around Eddie, Eddie. Nicotia and um, people were looking at his... Uh, England scoring record for, I think it was the under-19s, is it? But uh, Akbom has got a very similar scoring record at that level. So it'll be interesting to see whether uh, Eddie is the real deal or is he... Eddie looks like he thinks he belongs. I think that he's the first striker
1: in 15 years that's come through the youth ranks that actually looks like he believes... that. I know that Bednar said that he belonged, but he never looked like it on the pitch. Eddie, what little I've seen of him so far looks like he's got that level of confidence that might might take him to greater
2: heights. Well, let's hope he is not. Shabrat Bomb 2.0. Uh, someone who was potentially talked about as being Cesc Fabregas 2.0 is the next player, Fran Merida,
1: the the player that we had to hide in the mountains. You know that? No. We had to, uh, we had to hide him in the mountains to stop... Uh, was it uh, Atleti... That yeah, were trying to sign him. Yeah, they hid him in the mountains bef- to, b- just before he turned s- till he turned sixteen when he could sign a deal with us. It's kind of what mountains? I d- I don't know, but it sounds kind of grim hiding a child in the mountains until they become mature enough. Was <laughs> it well, so the Peak District? <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't the Peak District. It's definitely some of the Spanish mountains.
2: <laughs> the next player is someone he no longer wears this shirt, but he he wore this shirt when he first arrived. He's someone that I wish would go to the mountains. And stay there and never come back, Theo Walcott. Oh yeah, poor Theo. He can go to the Peak District.
1: He has he has very nice hair this year, though. I hate that guy, um, <laughs> Sebastian Svard. Oh, Sebastian Svard, <laughs> uh,
2: a, a, a Swede, uh, so irrelevant. Not even Alfred knew about him. <laughs> uh, speaking of irrelevance. Uh Isaiah Rankin, another of those sort of promising young strikers who uh, never made it. Didn't he end up at Dagnam and Redbridge? Yeah, I think he did. I so think yeah. he's still there, isn't he? Good name, though. Great name. Could have been better. It could have been better. And finally, uh, Glenn Helder. Oh, Glenn Helder. I remember him. I remember meeting him
1: a few times.
2: He looked like Lionel Richie.
1: He did, yeah, and he came with a lot of. Pro- he was he was the back end of George Graham, Bills, yeah. wasn't he? Not very, not a lot of end product.
2: No. But uh, speaking of end product, let's get on to uh, the Spurs game from the Peak District to the pitch. Power shift, power shift, fam. Get back in your swamp, brap.
1: That was an excellent,
0: excellent DTP. Yeah,
1: I, I am. He's fucking great, DT. We were all sharing around his stuff earlier. Those Arsenal fan TV boys get it spot on every week. <laughs> and if the Arsenal fan TV guys can be at it, then so can we. So uh, let, let's just talk. Like, straight up, Arsenal put out their best team. All of the players playing in their correct positions. We get to see uh, Ozil, Lacazette, and Sanchez firing on all cylinders. Our defence... Was incredible, and midfield was even better. Uh, so, so like, where where to start? What like what were your thoughts pre-game? Like, did you did you honestly believe yesterday's performance uh, could, could could happen,
2: fam? I thought it was going to be a one-all because I think derby games are always incredibly tight. Um, we know that um, Spurs can get be be very Spursy, uh, and when they're under pressure, they don't do particularly well. And coming into the game, and we'll come on to this later. You had various members of the media suggesting that not a single Arsenal player would make it into a combined eleven. Everyone was waiting for the champagne football of Tottenham to come, and this was going to be the moment uh, that the power shift uh, was finally complete. And I think everything was so uh, tilted in that direction. It reminded me a bit of the cup final when we were playing Chelsea and everyone was just waiting for it to happen. And I think whatever you say about Arsenal, you just can't underestimate this team because we are a cup team. And when it's a one-off, the quality of our players, when the motivation is right and there's a tactical game plan in place, uh, we're still a very, very, very good team.
0: Yeah, and I was feeling anxious before the game for the first time that I have since, I think, the cup final. That was the last time when I was like, I was feeling kind of like, you know, slightly worried and a little bit like, what's going to happen? Which usually means that Arsenal wins, because when when you have that seed of doubt that actually maybe the narrative isn't written already, uh, we usually go ahead and do it, like you say. And to the point about being a cup team, one off games, yes, like over two legs, impossible. You know, we, we kept capitulate. But no, but what a win. And it was it was a beautiful win. And I, I love seeing the team sheet uh, that we had a team that had played together, everyone in the right positions. There was no Cochrane at the back. It was an actual centre back there. And I also, you know, like we haven't seen that much of Lacassette, like Sanchez, and Ursel. What we've seen has actually looked good. And I think that the three of them actually felt that they had to perform as a trio this game. And they really gelled. They they looked amazing together. And it was fantastic to see us have pace up there. And it was like lovely in a couple of the counterattacks to see no Giroud. Uh, but to see, like I set just like running for it, it was it was amazing. But what a win! And as we said earlier, just the fact that like it felt comfortable halfway through second half was amazing. That was just a feeling I haven't had in a long time. I speak to like
1: people in and around the game, um, and I was told like like a few weeks ago before the game that this uh, this Spurs manager is is the real deal. Like he's a he's an incredible an incredible talent, and if he carries on with Spurs the way he's going in two to three years' time, Arsenal are going to be left in in the Spurs dust. But like, it can't tell you how many times it's been reiterated to me. Like Arsenal have better players than Spurs, and on their day, um, like we should be able to turn over a team like that. And I, I think that like when I speak to Spurs fans, that's just, that's simply not true. But I think most people in the game would uh, agree that Arsenal has better players and they should be doing better. And I said before the game, I thought it was going to be a 1-1 draw. But I I believe Arsenal, pound for pound, have a better team and a better squad than Spurs. And so we should. We spend 60 million more on wages a year. But didn't didn't it show? I don't think yesterday was about Spurs not playing their best. I think it was about that Arsenal team coming out and playing how they should be playing. That was Arsenal versus Chelsea uh, against Spurs. And it just makes me, it makes me slightly sad because, you know, if you had a, a, a decent manager in charge over the last five years, we would have won at least one Premier League title. Like, we could compete for the title if we played like that every week. And what I loved about the game, like, pre-game, Arsenal coming out, like, you don't, you don't often hear him say this, but when he's under pressure... Wenger does he does fall back on tactics he does lean on other people to help him get way out of the game. and he said before the game that he was looking to nullify Spurs' strengths uh and, and that's something you don't often hear and fucking hell he did he tried to do it against city uh when they were closing out the space, um but then we conceded after eighteen minutes, but because that didn't happen, like the game plan stayed strong the whole way through. And, like, we absolutely delivered. Like, what a disciplined, like, impassioned performance that was. Um, so, top-line thoughts there. Like, why don't we get into the details? So, the, a, a, a incredible team performance, all in all. So, like, why don't we just, like, work uh, through the team? And before we get into, like, the real nitty-gritty detail, let's just a uh, little round of applause for Petr Cech, who had a, a fabulous game coming up with a uh, that world-class save from the die header um, at the end like he's, he's been pretty good this year like what do we what do we think of that performance
0: yes he's been pretty good this year uh, and any game that we don't see or Spina, I think is beautiful uh, but yeah he he turned up and I think he really showed some leadership from the back as well which sometimes it feels like he's just not shouting enough and I kind of felt that it almost is where it started many times, and that's kind of what created the cohesive defence that we saw.
2: Well, Peter Chegg has never lost to Spurs at home, so uh, long may that continue, Uh, and that's good to see. Uh, But I think the whole defence worked well, and having Mustafi is such a bonus for this team. He's been out injured. Um, I still think he's a really, really good player. Um, He's always on the front foot. He attacks everything. There were lots of rumours that he was going to disappear and be shipped off in the summer, which just seemed so strange because his first year was not... You forget the first half of his first year it was excellent and then the whole team um, had a disappointing second half of the season. But he showed enough to show that he's a good player and we look stronger when he is in the team. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think one of the biggest uh, pluses of the defence is really the... Klassenac Monreal, left side because that is so solid that it's really difficult for anyone to uh, to get much change out of that and I know that we've had a few conversations about Klassenac but I think again he's a really really good player uh, in a in a disciplined team performance and then Bellerin is like an auxiliary attacking player down the right hand side he's always there uh, his final ball was much better uh, and the whole defence, I thought, just worked really, really well together, uh, and it was just just great to see. They
1: were under instructions, weren't they, to uh, to kill off anything going into that gap that sat just in front of the defence. Like Koscielny made a few mistimed headers early on, trying to uh, make sure the Ali and Kane weren't picking up the ball in that space, but they did such a good job. Like, Kane, Kane was nothing yesterday. I appreciate that he might have been a little bit injured, but also, like, towering performances from Koscielny, um Mustafi. And great for Mustafi to get that performance because he got written off in the, the most brutal of fashions uh, after January last year. And he, he didn't have, a, he had a few bad performances, but I guess that's to be expected. But forget forget, was he 24, 25 years old? Like, plenty of growth from a defensive perspective. And he had a couple
2: of injuries. So, you know, he, this is a top-quality young German centre-half in a team that doesn't really value defending that highly. So you have to feel, for any defender in the current Arsenal team, but we saw uh, a sense of what could be with yesterday's. And,
1: and that goal, that was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant header. Yeah. Like, absolutely brilliant. Like, he, And he's popped up a few times. Uh, for some important goals, so um, very exciting. Uh, so if we uh, if we shift it up a level, uh, let's talk about that midfield. Like concerns before the game that maybe Jacker would uh, get exposed because of his uh, lack of physical attributes and uh, his inability to cover uh, much ground. Um, but he had a good game, right? He was kind of pivotal uh, to, to that win. I like had a, a, a stonking first half and, uh, and and kept things interesting. What did you think of Jacker's performance, Alfred?
0: It was scary. I there was a couple of like complete body checks, and sometimes when he didn't really keep up, and I th- I was convinced he was going to get a red. Uh, it, it had uh, jacket red written all over it, I think, and especially with Mike Dean in charge of the refereeing, who I actually thought was, seemed uh, to not be as much of a Spurs fan as I thought he was. He um, he had quite quite a game. Um, Bias towards us, but anyways, I think the midfield was great. I think Ramsey actually, like, really, really delivered as a midfielder this time. He wasn't constantly running up to the box, he trusted the people in front of him to actually do the job. I think he linked up and worked well with Ursul. Ursul, we saw him a lot out on the right, which I think. Meant that Ramsey could get the space that he really wants, and Chaka. Yes, I think he he had a decent performance. I, I still don't think that he was incredible.
2: Özil was great, wasn't he?
0: Oh, he was like, uh, like he looked like he looks when he whenever he plays for the German national team. He is this, like, strong leader who is absolutely extraordinary and plays beautiful football, and everyone trusts him with the ball. He's the person in the German team that everyone trusts with the ball. Whenever in doubt, whenever you don't know how to move forward, give the ball to Ursel. And it was that kind of performance he had uh, yesterday where he felt trusted by his teammates, and he looks like a different player whenever, whenever people trust him like that. And when Ramsey knew, I mean, I think... Um, Sissoko did like quite a good job. And I think Davison Sanchez was always running into that space and making it very hard for Ramsey to actually progress with the ball. So he had to give it to Ursel. And I think whenever we see that happen, when they link up well and whenever Ursel takes their responsibility, he's incredible.
1: And that's the that's the performance English fans are looking for. From Ozil. When, when people say, no, no, English fans, you're not cultured enough. Like, he doesn't do the passion thing. He does do the passion thing. I, th- I think his confidence skyrocketed early on when he got into the box and he shoved over Vatongan and put him on his ass. And then it was like, oh, wow, I can compete uh, like for pound for pound with these big like, hulking defenders. But his, his performance was so much more than just playing that quarterback role that he normally does he did that exceptionally well but he tracked back he got in the way he blocked off angles like it was it was one of the few performances that you've seen from Ozil where he grabbed the game by the balls and just ran with it and if he delivered that on a more regular basis Arsenal would be a better team but you you kind of sense him when Mourinho's uh when he said in his book that Mourinho called him a coward in front of the dressing room like Wenger needs to find a way of inspiring Ozil when the chips are down, when it's away from home, because if we could get that performance on a more consistent basis, um, we'd be competing um, for the league, in my
2: opinion. And I think part of it is, and a few people have referenced it after the game, the atmosphere yesterday was so good. Everyone was up for it. Everyone around the club was up for it. No one was leaving early to get to the tube station early. You know, and I think if you're a player, and Mesut Ozil is a big game player, when you get that sense before the game, when the game's kicking off that this is a big game, you want to put an imprint on it. And I think that's part of it because, let's be honest, half the games at the Emirates are a snooze fest. And I think there's something about big game, big opportunity. What is that? Is that... Do you think that that is uh, just Arsenal
1: fans just decide when they want to come and sing? Or do you think when the players from the first minute show that they're really fucking into it,
2: um, the fans react? Like, Isn't it a two-way street? I think it is a two-way street, but I think there's something around a derby and those two or three the games against Chelsea, Spurs, Manchester United that really get people really up for it, and I think... Yesterday was one of them. And you can say, oh, every game should be like that. They're professional football players. They should always be 101%. But I just I just think uh, there's something around the atmosphere in these Derby days that's special. I feel that you sometimes
1: need a... Like Arsenal need a player that can be that fanfire when the fanfire isn't there. Yeah. You know, like like I. Yeah, that's I, true. That's true. And I think, back to Patrick Vieira is uh, is a little bit cliche, but like having somebody that can like charge the charge the players and
2: charge the fans. But also, it's uh, when you, I remember that ninety eight team and that uh, the sort of o two o four teams, and what you'd find is that you would almost hope there was uh, altercation, and that there was a there was a bad tackle, and the players got involved in a in a in some in some pushing and shoving because you knew when that happened that the team and the players and everyone would be up for it. And, and sometimes it just took a spark like that. And I think that's what this team does miss. But yesterday, maybe it was the, it was just the fans or maybe it was just the occasion. But
0: that spark was there right from the beginning and players like Ozil responded. I think, you know, when Flamini even, like, brings out the Twitter banter before the game and is excited about the derby and... You know, I, I think I saw something with Podolsky, which made me really miss him. And it's those kind of players that I miss sometimes in the derbies and, uh, and at Arsenal, which knows that they don't have the skills. So they massively overcompensate um, on the pitch with personality and... Um, you know, that's why they kind of become fan favorites sometimes. And we don't really have that person on the pitch at the moment. You know, Mustafi is pretty much the, the closest we got to like, to someone who who brings more personality uh, than skill sometimes in big games. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that to a certain degree. Like Flamini would definitely
1: lift his game for, for Spurs. Um, Like, like for a few, like even like Robert Perez. I know he was a great player, but he loved playing against Spurs. Um, so if we, oh, and just like one point, Aaron Ramsey was exceptional yesterday, but work rate of that guy is is second to none. And what's really exciting about him this season is so far, fingers crossed, he's managed to maintain his fitness. So whatever they're doing behind the scenes to wrap him in cotton wool um, is clearly working. So then we want to move into the exciting part of the pitch. Uh, Lacazette, um, Alexis, uh, and, and Ozil, like, what a performance from from those guys! I, Alexis gets on my tits uh, a little bit at the moment, like the sulking, the histrionics, like a, a little bit over the top, and like complaining every time Ramsey doesn't do exactly what he wants. But um, he put in a performance yesterday, uh, scoring scoring that goal, um, and and generally. Being more of a team player, um, but Lacazette is the the player that I want to talk about because I'm really, really starting to enjoy um, the way he plays. Like he's a much quieter player in the sense of the noise that he makes with the running around on the pitch, but he's. I feel like he's super efficient. Uh, like whether it's retrieving the ball from the front line, whether it's um, whether it's putting the ball in the net. Like he didn't score yesterday, but I do. I do think that he is becoming a more and more important player to the team, and also he's starting to become a fan favorite like his tweets after the game everyone goes to like it's, it's almost like he's ingrained in in the culture of the club uh, which is impressive after two months matt's looking at
2: twitter
1: that section's coming we're gonna we're gonna talk about that there
2: like i said come on no he's the real deal 50 whatever million potent calm efficient um, we're going to be relying on him because it's not going to be long before our fabled front three is a front one. And it's going to be really interesting to see how we handle that transition. But yeah, it's just great to see um, that fluid front three and uh, um, and having some attacking options. So they were, they were brilliant yesterday.
0: Yeah, I thought, I thought they were amazing. It was the first time we really saw them being an attacking force where... They, it, it felt like they they knew they were attacking as three players. It wasn't three individuals running at it, and this was the first time we really saw that. There were a couple of breaks when, Earth just set up things perfectly. They spread out across the team and just and just you know legged it. And it was beautiful. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare against um, Burnley next week because they have. I mean, I think it's the strongest defense of the league compared to like who they are. They've, uh, I mean, the amount of clean sheets they get is incredible. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see them, the three of them, um, play against a team that sits deep, uh, where they won't get as many chances on the counter. But yes, I did, I did enjoy it massively yesterday. It was fantastic, uh, and I, I, the thing that I might miss the most with Sanchez when he goes is actually his sulking because he keeps people accountable on every ball and I think he the fact that like Ramsey feels like you know he's he's kicked one of Sanchez's dogs whenever he, he misjudges a pass or something is good because we we do have a couple of players who need a kick up the ass pretty much five times a game in, in order to keep delivering and he he does that and, and I love that you know when he chased the ball at the end and he was still like beat up because he wanted that third goal, he was the only one on our team that really wanted a third goal uh, and I think that's that's really important to have players like that, especially um uh, up front I think that's a little bit unfair,
1: like to say that he's the only one I, and i it, his behavior it tries to, he, he wants to transmit that he's the only one that wants to get that third goal, and then when he's badly behaved in games, fans always lean on the Oh well, you know, like Sanchez is the only one that cares. No, he's the only one that behaves like a fucking child on the pitch and it's unprofessional. And I would hate to play in a team where somebody couldn't control their emotions from a bad pass. Like Ramsey does not deserve the 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 grilling and and the death stares that he gets uh from Sanchez. So uh, and, and I wonder whether Sanchez will be doing that if he's signed uh, a new deal. And it's it's fine in the big games because you can get away uh, with that because everybody's super focused. But like when you're away at Stoke and he's doing that, and then you know, that it's kind of demoralising. But, uh, but to the, the the original point, we're gonna we're gonna fucking miss Sanchez when he's gone. Uh, and like after yesterday's performance, probably Erzul. So I woke up this morning expecting to see Twitter alight with praise and glory around the, the beautiful victory yesterday. And instead we were welcomed by a, a scandal. Arsenal's Twitter handle responded to a journalist called Adam Crafton. Uh, a with, journalist he, a he, I think he's just a, he's just a football writer. Uh, they responded to him with a Meza Erzl drinking a cup of tea and, uh, and then the whole world of football journalism is up in arms, calling this bullying uh, and abuse because Adam Crafton uh, is receiving a lot of Twitter trolling. And the Twitter trolling, let's just get this out of the way, is, is not nice and it's unpleasant. But let's delve into what Adam Crafton said. So um, the Daily Mail, who, like full disclosure, I write for every week, so I understand the mechanics of uh, of how their newspaper works, they asked uh, a whole bunch of writers to name uh, their best Spurs eleven out of the two teams. Adam Crafton
2: was it the best Spurs eleven or it was their best I'm sorry, combined no, I'm sorry. eleven?
1: Best combined eleven. Sorry, so Adam Crafton, he, th- he
2: thought what he thought what you said.
1: Yeah, he said. Uh, he picked 11 Spurs players. He said, it's a Spurs full house. I was not intending to be incendiary uh, when I started noting down this lineup. But in each position, I found my gut instinct leaning towards a more vibrant and exciting Spurs player. So let's, let's just go back to how the Daily Mail works. Um, so when you write for the Daily Mail, uh, be it for free, um, which many do, or whether you're getting paid, you're getting paid for clicks. Um, like so, writing inflammatory content is is part of the deal. And they're the they're the, the most read English speaking website in the world. Everybody understands this. They have some great writers and they have some great content. So Adam Adam knew uh, Adam knew what he was getting himself into when he signed up to once again the most read English speaking website in the world and one of the most controversial. Um, do you think he was trolling Arsenal fans when he said? Uh, Spurs's entire lineup was preferable to Arsenal's. Guys, let's get into that first. Yes, he was definitely
2: Matt. Yeah, he was. It's absolutely designed to uh, inflame. And you know this. Oh, I didn't mean to. And then it just came out. It was he was deliberately being provocative. He understands, like you said, the mechanics of writing for an online uh, media publication and it's all designed to, uh, to to get people talking and to make a name for himself. Then, okay, so so you're writing for the Daily Mail, you've written something
1: inflammatory that you know is going to uh, embarrass Arsenal players and piss off Arsenal fans. Uh, then, then the tweet comes in post-game. The, the Arsenal social media team uh, gets so much stick Every single day. If you like, I work in this industry. If you've ever sat behind a Twitter handle that's getting abuse, it's not fun. Um, regardless of of whether it's you, like you represent Arsenal and getting hammered every day on social media is not fun. So fair play to them. It was just a little bit of a tongue in cheek cheek uh, joke at uh, his article. Did
0: you just say tongue in teat?
1: Tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> Uh, so so then the then then the uproar um the uproar begins because he starts getting abused because arsenal have 12 million followers uh on twitter um and then all the major journalists started to back him saying that arsenal should know better because uh, i think miguel delaney said that arsenal were bullying um he's a spurs fan so uh, it's not not surprising to hear him say that, but like Henry Winter jumping in, like lots of the ESPN crew, like John Bruin, all, all jumping on the bandwagon. Like, is is this a bit embarrassing? Considering these guys are paid to criticize grown men on a weekly basis and point out deficiencies in their abilities. Like, is this, is this like, suck it up, guys?
2: Yeah, I think it's a classic case of uh, you can give it out, but you can't take it. And uh, this guy, it's very easy to sit behind and and troll someone else. But when it comes back the other way, you're not so happy. And uh, isn't that what people do when they're getting too much unwanted attention? This guy is an attention-seeking little nobody. And I'm absolutely delighted he's getting a load of abuse. And for once, the Arsenal uh, Twitter account has got it absolutely spot on. At the end of the day, North
0: London, derby we won. You're a mug. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's <laughs> bloody brilliant. So wow, I, I, I love this. Like I can't I can't moisten the energy because I'm so hungover, <laughs> but I do think there's two. I I don't think that anyone deserves uh, abuse at all ever on Twitter. I do think that we people are discussing two different things, which is they should know better because they will invite abuse. That's a technology problem on a platform which there shouldn't be the channels for people to troll and abuse in that way. That you should take that up with Twitter uh, about how they've constructed their platform and how they like it seems like sometimes they incentivize this kind of behavior. Because if you solve the if you solve the trolling issue and the abuse issue, then you will actually that will be good banter that a football club tweets a wink at a journalist or a football writer, whatever he is, that got it wrong. And I think that's like fun. I think Gary Lineker uh, said, you know, this is good fun. Like if you remove the abuse problem and and the fact that that, that can happen, like a football club... Tweeting a wink to a writer who got something wrong is hilarious, and I think that's kind of like the the beauty of the platform is that you can interact with clubs, which are an actual you know like abstract entity, and you can you can feel like they're a mate. I think that's beautiful. I think that that is really fun. Uh, it's a shame that that he had to withstand all that abuse. I think that's uh, horrible, and I condemn it. And I think officially the pod condemns that behavior as well. Yeah, like, uh, uh, Matt's very passionate about this in the morning because it's it's
1: post North London derby, and we're talking about this 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 guy who who wrote the article with the purpose uh, of uh, getting attention for himself. Like, obviously, a young guy trying to grow his uh, his journalistic career. But um, I've I've been getting abuse online for ten years. Like, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into, and there are tools available to stop. Uh, like receiving the abuse. Number one, like delete the article. Just delete it. If you if if it's that bad, delete it. You know why it doesn't delete it? Because the Daily Mail will hire you again if you get a lot of clicks to your article. So all of this uproar is almost clickbait um, in itself. Uh, and secondly, like if if you want to keep the article up, there are a bunch of settings on Twitter that you can just click. Uh, don't I don't want to see messages that contain abusive words. I don't want to see messages from people i don't know i don't want to see messages from uh, accounts that have uh, been set up in the last 24 hours twitter have a whole host of tools that can switch that off like uh, and i just i, I just think that the ultimate hypocrisy here is um, when you are a football writer like i am and you write every day criticizing players managers business decisions uh you have to accept that when you get it badly wrong and you get it badly wrong and you were trolling from 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 the start because there's no way that there are 11 uh, spurs players that are better than arsenal and then it comes back at you you just have to man up and take it and i appreciate man up isn't very pc anymore but please it's uh, it's it's an absolute joke and i just i just hate that today we're talking about this guy and his
0: stupid article for the daily mail versus talking about what a glorious day it was yesterday what a glorious day it was yesterday. And I think the Arsenal social media team got that. And I I, I look at that tweet and I love it. I think it's hilarious. It's a little <laughs> wink and it's Messed Ursel drinking tea. Exactly. Which is like the most harmless thing I've ever seen. It's, it's beautiful. Exactly. Um, but... You know, to that point as well. I think there, there is something. The the only thing that kind of angered me about this thing is that the guy writes for Daily Mail, which is if you you essentially get paid to bully, and when you then get accused or, or when when someone bullies you back, the football team that you have just you know slated. I think it's just hypocrisy, and that actually that actually infuriates me. Exactly. And, and then it's it it is something around like these, you know. I think this will separate pretty much and make it easy for us to understand who is like a football writer and who's a journalist because I don't think the real journalists engage uh, I think the writers who love to create like prolific kind of like tweet storms every day because that's how they drive traffic to websites are having a field day and they're also creating this a la Trump in order to get more clicks and to di- to divert from something which isn't as interesting to talk about the fact that Wenger got tactics right yeah and just to just to add like
1: one last bit to this story i don't want to i'm not going to name and shame uh, where this came from but before uh before the whole cup final uh a few years ago i was asked by uh, a prominent newspaper to write an article um that was basically a, a, we want a venga out article like a, an impassioned article about why venga should leave i said well th- 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 what about if we win the cup final? They were like, Yeah, we're gonna put it in the newspaper so it will go next to it'll go it'll go next to the, the cup final stuff. So I said to them, I was never gonna write it, but I said to them, Well, you're you're gonna have to pay me if you want to put me in a paper, like people collect those newspapers post cup final. You're gonna you're gonna have to pay me if you want me to do this. And they were, Well, you know, we don't we don't normally we don't normally do this from when we're asking for like writing from fans. So they went back and they came back like 2 days later and they said look, you know, we've we pulled some strings and uh, we've got you a payment. I was like, "Okay, what's that?" Bearing in mind like I'm I'm doing all right for myself uh, at this time like working in London director job. I'm doing all right. We've got you fifty pounds. <laughs> uh, 50, fifty pounds. This is a huge, huge newspaper. And then I went to the Football Writers Awards, and there was a a, 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 a prominent guy from a broadsheet standing with this person from uh, from the paper. And he he the the guy from the broadsheet was like, "What's this? I hear about you asking for money." And he was basically like, "Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are asking for money?" I was like, "So that's that's the level." Uh, that these guys are working for. So don't tell me that this guy didn't know what he was signing up for because he
0: absolutely did. So this like faux sympathy that he's trying to get is a bit embarrassing. I mentioned that I was a bit worried about our next game against Burnley. Matt, do you think I should worry? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, they're in great form,
2: Burnley. Uh, tough away game. And um, and I think, you know, we touched on this point earlier. We are now a cup team. And we've shown it over the last few years. And for one-off games, we can really get ourselves up for it. But you know, it's sort of easy to get yourself up for the Spurs game. Uh, You know, everyone's whipping themselves up into a frenzy uh, for the last for the last two weeks, even before the international break. No one's been talking about the England game. Everyone's been talking about the Spurs game uh so um you know the players find it easy to get themselves up for it they're going to find it less easy to get up for a trip up north to Burnley next weekend and our away, our home record is outstanding our away record is dismal only one win away from home in the league all season that game against the sort of hapless uh Everton team we've just been dreadful on the road uh, and we're playing an in-form team up north. We don't like it. Um, the weather's getting a bit cold. Uh, they, sort of, no one's going to be as interested in the game as they were. And, and this is the big question. It's, uh, and I know it's a cliche, but Mesut Özil can do it <laughs> on the on the on the pitch of the Emirates in the big game against Spurs. But can he do it on a wet Saturday or Sunday afternoon in Burnley? And. Uh, that you have to
1: say, Sean, I think Sean Dyche is uh, th- the biggest overperformer in the Premier League. Uh, and as unfashionable as he looks and sounds, the guy has been delivering for Burnley. Burnley are a really, really good side. And I, ju- I just think it's, uh, it's like psychologically, you go from Arsenal, Spurs, like exciting, like a team that plays in Wembley, is building a new stadium, has all these exciting players, to go to Burnley. Like if we lose. Against Burnley, it's, it's all it's all been in vain. Um, so it's going to take a special kind of motivation to to win that game tomorrow or oh, next week.
0: And I think they, I mean, they have a, a better away record than than Spurs against uh, big teams. Uh, they, you know, they beat Chelsea at the start of the season. They drew Tottenham. They drew Liverpool. They've um, they lost Man City, but Man City only play, only scored from open play in the 75th minute. Um, and they've they've gotten Southampton away in a couple of like really solid performances. They love defending tightly, and most teams only score in the 75th minute, or they score in the 75th minute. And those are games that Arsenal don't traditionally enjoy.
2: This feels like a sort of uh, Stoke away, doesn't yeah. it? Like uh, that type of performance uh, that we saw earlier in the season. Uh, it's going to be a really, really tough game. Yeah. And I think if Arsenal should take the same approach tactically uh,
1: to Burnley as he did against Spurs, like if you focus your team, like Pep Guardiola, uh, before they played Stoke the other week, uh, he had three video analysis sessions on how to beat Stoke. Like I'd imagine Arsenal had similar levels of video analysis for Spurs, but the question is, will they take that same like intensity to Burnley, or does Wenger just sort of switch off? I'm back. Like, we're going to do it my way again. Like, th- th- you know, this whole thing's been a big blip because it hasn't. Like, you have to have that same amount of focus for every game. And players have to know that Burnley are an important team in the league. Uh, now they're not a pushover and they could cause us problems. I mean, like, what's, what's uh, the, the gap between second and seventh? It's
2: four, four points. points. That's, that's incredible.
1: Uh, and Burnley are in that pack um we're in november so yeah a uh, massive game for us
2: i think that point around video analysis and intensity is really interesting cuz i think one of the things that came out after the cup final was mertesacker saying we have i've never seen us prepare for a game as uh, as, as as well as we prepared for the chelsea game in terms of analysis structure tactical uh tactical play. and it felt very similar against spurs so we had a really clear game plan but yeah, like you said, you can just imagine him going out and going, look, we're so much better than Burnley in term, terms of the talent we've got. Go out. It, I always get worried when Arsene Wenger goes, we're not worried about them. We're just going to go and play our game. That's like warning signs. That's, Oh, you know what? I was pretty busy that week, so I didn't have time to do much video analysis. So just go and do your thing and we'll be okay. And that's fine when you've got Dennis Bergkamp, Thierry Henry, Robert Pires, Freddie Lundberg. But when you haven't uh, and you're playing someone decent, uh, it can it can get hard
1: cuz uh, my our objective for like playing out the the rest of the year if we can be within four points of second come january 1st then we're in really good shape uh for top 4 um like maybe even like maybe even top 2 um but if we fall away against burnley then we've got a whole run of like awkward problematic games coming up but the great thing about the spurs game is hopefully it reminds the arsenal players that they are good enough that they should be competing and hopefully that massive amount of preparation that went into that game will carry on through um um, and we can really make a go of it uh this year hope is back so we're going to end on uh, on a high note. Um, we're going to play you a little bit of uh, a Spurs video, which I've got to say is probably one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen put on the internet. It almost looks like it's uh, scripted. Um, this is uh, we got caned by Spurs fans.
0: This is your main man Son
1: This is the Selly Oak crew, Birmingham. Oh one two one. Yes, this goes out to a man like Harry Kane fan. Harry Kane. Said you just got cane. You just got cane. You, you just got, got cane. You just got, Kay- kan- so got cane. Bande- you just got cane. So you just got you just cane. got cane. You just got cane. Just got cane. You just got cane. Said your crew's got weapons got an arsenal. So I think we can, can safely say that it was Spurs that got caned, not
0: not Arsenal. Am I right? Am I right? You're very right. <laughs> ah, that was, that was banter. <laughs> All right. Well, should we, should we end this on, uh, on that note? Thank you so much for your incredible dedication, energy, and just all-around positive vibes this week, Pete.
1: I think my positive energy vibes helped Arsenal win, um, and I'm going to take them into the Burnley game. Um, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Alfred.
0: Thank you, Pete. Okay, see you later. Ciao for Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking
1: news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's the office, Chris knows best, and Peacock original shows like Funky Rooster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream
2: now at peacocktv.com.